Good morning and happy Father's Day to all the dads in the place. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. We are so glad you're here and we don't always do theme messages, but sometimes it's important. But I want to tell you this as we start today, I'm not going to tell, I don't think anybody here anything that they don't already know. Now, that doesn't mean you can take a nap. Well, I guess it does if you want to. That's your choice. But sometimes it's important for us to be reminded of some really important things. For example, last week when Brandon was here, and I thought he did a super job of ministering to those who are in law enforcement, but to every other person as well, because what he was talking about was, where are your priorities? What's really important in your life? And then how is that being revealed as you walk your life out every day? And that's the question for all of us, and especially for dads. So here's the first question of the day. How many of you, by show of hands now, how many of you have the perfect father? Raise your hand. All right, hold on, on. put them back down for a second. Okay, Chris, help me out here. Was not one of the lyrics in one of the songs we just sang that he is the perfect father? Oh, yeah. Ding. How many of us have the perfect father? In other words, every person in this room who knows Jesus Christ as their personal savior has what? The perfect father. Okay, now. Maybe, just maybe, our earthly fathers weren't quite so perfect. (laughs) And maybe, just maybe, we as fathers aren't quite so perfect. Okay, no amen. Thank God on that. Sheesh. Being a father is an honor given by God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get pretty frank here at the beginning. Being a, being a dad is not just depositing a seed, in case you know. I want you to know that. Being a dad is not just depositing a seed. We have very reckless and careless and unconcerned people in our world who think, ah, oh, it's just sex. What's the big deal? Well, oftentimes that Sex ends up being a child. So can I say it to you very candidly? If you're here and you're, you're not married, keep it to yourself. I love, I'm telling you that. And you are here and you're married, keep it to your spouse. Okay? This, let's just keep it clear. This is where we are. This is real world time today. So being a dad is an honor It's a responsibility, and it should be an incredible joy. Now, Father's Day, we typically think of fathers getting a gift on Father's Day because they're dad, right? I want to reverse it today, just a little bit. What gifts can we as fathers give our children? So, I've got a scripture, it's going to be later on in the message, but I want to read it first because it is so, well, I'm doing this kind of backwards, I guess. I want us to look at the end so we can come back to the beginning. 
in Colossians chapter 1. Now, here's the other thing. As you read the epistles of Paul, there's an amazing um, resemblance to what a father would say to their children, even though he is talking to spiritual children. And we have men here today who do not have biological children, but they have spiritual children. And the principles for that fit. Okay, so here's here's the end game here. Where are we going with this? Where are we? We talk about being a dad. Where are we going? Here's what it says in Colossians 1, 28, 29. And we proclaim him, that's Christ, admonishing every man. We're going to personalize that admonishing every one of our children biological or spiritual and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ that is our goal when that little baby is born and there's a reason young people have children okay just so you know when that little baby is born Every dad should say, my goal for my child is to be complete in Christ. Now, the question is, well, what does that mean? It means that I will help that child become exactly who God wants them to be. And we'll come back to that in a little bit as we talk about the gifts. So now back to the beginning. What are the gifts that we can give to our kids? One gift that we can give is teaching them how to love Father God well. So here's a question for you. If I were to take the time right now, walk out in the congregation and pick on you, I'm not going to do that, but if I were, And I would ask you, how do you demonstrate to your children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, how to love God well? What's the answer going to be? Well, based on the scripture, it says, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. You will obey me. So it's real simple. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. It is real simple, but it is also totally impossible. That's what makes this so fun, okay? It's real simple, but it's totally impossible. And we're going to keep talking about that as we go through this this morning and then to see how it is possible. So, the second thing. And I got to tell you, I I had a little struggle with this one. And I'll explain why in a minute. The second thing that you can give, the second gift you can give to your child is, well, we'll put the scripture up. Let's make it that way. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. The second gift besides showing them how to love Father God that you can give your child is loving their mother. 
as Christ loved the church. Now, I realize that not everybody in here is still with the first marriage, and I realize that everybody in here is not with the mother of some of the children. So here's my suggestion, I guess, for that. If there has been separation, divorce, whatever, so that families are fractured as we know they are, then at least do this. At least teach your children to respect, that you show respect for their mother. Now, I have been in way too many counseling sessions, and I know a lot of the junk that comes into marriage. Because we have to be reminded sometimes we have an enemy who hates our marriage, hates our family. He wants to destroy it, and he doesn't care who he uses or how he does it to get it done. He just will if we let him do that. And it does happen. But at least teach your children to respect their mother. If you're no longer together, maybe now there's other children. There's all sorts of dynamics. There is no way we can cover all those today. But I'm just telling you, there is a way to honor God in this process if we're doing it completely unto him. And God will give us the tools to do that. Here's the kind of the famous scripture in the Bible about kids. There's plenty in Proverbs. I didn't select any of those for today. Children, obey your parents to the Lord for this is right. Okay, if you're here today and you're still under your parents' authority, this is God's word to you. Remember, your parents are to teach you how to love God. How do you demonstrate you love God? By obeying his commandments. There it is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I've said this, I can't remember how many times I've said this over the years. That does not mean that your parents are always right. Because I are one, and I know I have messed up as a parent along the way. And most of the other parents I know, in fact, all of them, to be honest, same thing, okay? We all as parents make mistakes. But the children, according to God... And his word says, you are to obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right, but honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. You're going to think I'm being a little harsh right now, but I am telling you, as a witness, true witness before God, I have done so many funerals of young adults who did not honor their mother and father. Now, does that mean you're going to get snuffed out right away? That's not what I'm talking about. My oldest sister, as I've gotten older and wiser and gone back and reviewed our history, I, can, I think I can have a better understanding of why she was what she was and why she did some of the things she did. But the statement of our family, of her, was she came out of the womb as a rebel. And she rebelled all her life until she died at 43 of bone cancer. And as I stood there in her casket, that was the only thing I could think of. Her her life was ended prematurely because she had chosen all her life, basically, to dishonor our parents. And by the way, our parents were not always right. I'll talk more about that in a second. 
so that you that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And here's an important verse for us. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. How is it that we anger our kids? Now, as our kids are grown, and as I've gotten older, they think I have the gift of irritation. You know, it's not listed as a spiritual gift, but they accuse me of that. But when they were growing up, and you have to understand, let's go back a lot of years, a few decades, when Sheila and I first got married and we first started having children, there were not all these books on marriage and family. They just, they weren't there. Now you can get them by the droves. So what Sheila and I did, because we were both young Christians, getting started before God, wanting to do the things that God has for us. And so what we did was we took this book called the Bible and we read it together and we studied it and we determined the verses related to marriage and family. And that's how we did our marriage and how we did our family. And so you'll know it wasn't done perfectly, okay? But it was done well. And God has honored that without any question. Take the time to get in the book and find out the scripture that relates to you as his child. Remember a while ago talking about being his being our perfect father in our song and what it means then for you to have children if you do so. But what it means to be married, what does this have to say about it? It has a lot. This is the instruction book. You know, all that stuff you bought for your kids that came with instruction books and you threw them in the corner because you didn't need it. I didn't see one dad smile on that. Come on. I'm not the only guy that does that. Well, in a lot of cases, that's what couples and families have done. They've taken the instruction book and threw it in the corner and then wonder why it is that their family and their marriage and their children are in such mess. As I have one family. You guys know I try not to call names, and I won't today. But I cannot, I cannot count the times I've sat down and counseled with them about their children and the difficulties of their children and things that are going through and all the... And all, all the time that I would meet with this family and try to help with their kids. And we had all these ministries here for children and for, and for young, young, well, for youth and young adults. And I don't remember seeing their kids here. And I would tell them, huh, why, why is it that you only come to me when there's a crisis, when it's the everyday stuff that has to be done that needs to get done for children to be what God wants them to be. It is a work and it is a continual enduring work of grace that we do. So dads, don't anger your kids. Here's where my observation comes in. If I'm wrong, I'm willing to be corrected. Not publicly right now, but you come later. Okay. One of the major things that we do as dads to anger or frustrate our children is we try to make them something that we want them to be. I brought with me a carpenter's tool 
Some of you will know what this is, and some of you will never have even seen one. It's a finished plane for carpentry. This is my dad's. When my father passed away a number of years ago, I have three brothers. We were all in dad's workshop, <clears throat> dividing up the tools. And I, they were in, in Texas, so I had to fly. And so I said, I just want one thing to take back. And I remembered as a child, my dad, as a cabinet maker, using this wood plane to plane a piece of wood. And I just want to keep it for that reason. Because here's the thing. My dad was a very accomplished man, skill-wise. Cabinet maker, carpenter. And not one time did my dad ever say to me, son, I'm a carpenter, so I think you should be a carpenter. Now, I learned carpentry, not to the level that he was able to do so, but I learned to do the things that I enjoy doing in my shop today. But not one time did my dad ever say, son, this is what I want you to be. I'm a carpenter. I want you to be a carpenter. Now, typically, most parents don't do that. Instead, they want their children to accomplish something in sports or in the arts or something of that nature. Nothing wrong with those things. If that's what, in fact, God has for that person. But let me go one more. So I turn 18, and again, telling my age, I received my draft notice. And for those who don't know what that is, that's when back then we called him Uncle Sam. Today we would call him Uncle Joe. (laughs) Sends you a letter and says, it is time for you to do your military service. If you didn't do anything proactively, then you would be given orders to report to an army base somewhere for basic training. And I didn't want to do the army. And my dad was a Marine, World War II Marine. In fact, dad was part of the invasion of Okinawa, Japan. And for those who don't know, that was the bloodiest battle of World War II. More American casualties there than even on D-Day. Almost three times as many. The Japanese were on their last stronghold, and they set an amazing trap. They let all the Americans, Army, Navy, Marines, come ashore and let them get inland, and then they ambushed them. Over 12,000 servicemen died in that battle. My dad, Purple Heart, from that battle. As a kid, I would watch his mom would pick strap metal out of his knees and out of his back where he was injured in that war, in that battle particularly. So here I am getting my draft notice, so I go to dad. I said, dad, guess what I'm going to do? He said, what? I said, I'm going to enlist the Marines. And I thought he would really be happy. Instead, he said, son, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, dad, you're a Marine. Why can't I be a Marine? He said, well, you can be a Marine. I just don't think it's a good idea. I said, okay, well, tell me why it's not a good idea. He said, well, let me tell you this. He said, if you choose to go in the Marines, they're going to train you. And they're going to train you with one skill set. 
And when you get out, unless you're going to work for the mafia, you won't be able to get employment with that skill set. So I thought about it, and I joined the Navy. And to show you, again, see, my dad wasn't trying to make me a carpenter because he was a carpenter. He wasn't trying to make me a Marine because he was a Marine. My dad did a lot of things wrong. He was an abusive dad. His dad was an abusive dad. So it was coming down the line. But he still made some great decisions for me. And so in that time, because my dad did not encourage me, in fact, discouraged me from being a Marine in the Navy. Now think about this. Four years and four months in the Navy. In that time, four years, four months, I met Sheila. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. We got married. I got called into the ministry. And we had our first child. That was a busy four years. But I can tell you that was the great four years of my life. Now, I've had, we've had a great life. I mean, goodness gracious, yes. But my point is that my dad, even though he did things wrong as a, as a father, let's just say his method of correction wasn't biblical. Okay, let's just put it there. But he never, ever said, son... This is what I'm doing. This is what you're going to do. He never said, because I'm a Marine, you'll be a Marine. In fact, he did quite the opposite. Dads, the gift that you give your children after teaching them to love God well, love their mother, is helping them to discover the destiny that God has for their life. What an amazing adventure as you help your children unpack who God created them to be. It is mind-blowing that God allows us the opportunity, the responsibility, the honor, and the joy of helping that child that he's placed in our care, and sometimes it is maybe a stepchild or maybe it's a, a spiritual child, but in our care where we can help them uncover and discover who God made them to be and how that life is to be lived out every day. Now it said, teach them. Paul says to the folks at Thessalonica, you're witnesses, and so is God. <laughs> By the way, when we're parenting, when we're uh, in marriage, we need to remember there are people who are watching us. That's not the real issue, but God is, and he is holding us accountable for how we do life. How devotely and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. What's that saying? We lived it out before you. And that's for us as parents. Dad, when you hit your finger with that hammer, what do you say? When we live it out before them. 
when you have instructed them for the umpteenth time on how to do something, how do you respond to them? Remember, we, we had a perfect father. How many times does he have to tell us how to do something or to do something? Paul says, you watched us. You saw it. God's watching us. He's seen it. And look how we were. We were devoted. We were upright. We were blameless. And as you know how we exhorted and encouraged and implored you, each one of you, as a father would his own child. He says, we had the joy of, I'm not getting right, exhorting. What does that mean? Building somebody up. So you give them 10 things to do. And they get nine of them right. Which one do you focus on? I give him, I go back to my dad. I'll pick on dad. He's dead. He don't care anyway. He wouldn't care if he was here. We were on the farm. Dad had moved on to interstate construction from carpentry. So he would leave on Sunday night, come back on Friday night. And guess who, as a 12-year-old, was responsible for the farm while he was gone? That'd be me. That meant every day, twice a day, all the livestock had to be fed. All the things that had to be done on the farm had to be done. And I did that week after week, week after week, week after week, during the summer months particularly. I'll never forget the morning I got up and I'd always leave early from the house to go feed the livestock. And we had about, um, I forget how many sows. We, we did brood sows for those, you know, we'd, we raised piglets and then we had a contract with another farmer. We'd sell them to him and he'd finish feeding them out at different times. But anyway, so we'd breed these sows and we, we had them in a pasture. Each pasture had so many sows in it with, uh, and then we would rotate them through the fairing uh, process and they'd fair their pigs out. We'd get them out of that, move them back, and they'd go back to the pasture. Well, to go to the pastures, I'd have to load the feed up on the truck. Now, remember, I'm 12. That was normal on the farm, in case you didn't know. I'd load all the feed up, drive back to the pasture, feed all the pigs, come back, feed the ones in the barn, go in the house, eat breakfast, get ready for school. Normal routine. So this is a school morning, and I get to the back pastures, and I realize we have miscalculated a birthing date. We have piglets everywhere. Over a hundred piglets running everywhere. I went back to the house. I told mom, tell my sisters, don't go to school. They're not going to school today. Get their work clothes on. Meet me in the pasture. With five-gallon buckets, we went through the pastures, picking up piglets, put them in a truck. Then I had to move all the sows that had ferret out to the barn, and then we had to take each piglet to each sow. Because in case you don't know, all sows don't accept all piglets. They will kill them. And so we spent the day taking a piglet. Mama accepted, move on to the next one. And we were, there was five or six of us doing it, so we got done with it. Okay, but still... 
The point is, I did all that. That was normal stuff. But yet, when my dad would come home from being gone for the week, you know what he would focus on? What I messed up on. And I, I really had to go back and work this one out. I had to forgive him because I had put up new pasture fence in front of the house. And dad rolls in on Friday night, Friday, you know, just about dark. He gets out of the car. Now, I've been feeding livestock. I've been doing everything that I'm supposed to do all week. And he gets out of the car. You guys probably never had this happen to you. And it sounds like Steve's up here whining. I'm not. I'm telling you what happened. He gets out of the car and he yells my name and says, Steve, you know how to put up fence better than that. Now tear it down and start all over. And that's exactly what I did. Because see, on our farm, there were three ways of doing things. The right way, the wrong way, and Joe's way. Well, Joe was my dad. Guess which way won out all the time. Now, why am I telling you all that personal stuff? Because it can just sound like gobbledygook. We as fathers can so often, not even intentionally doing so, focus on the thing that our child did wrongly rather than the one they did right. And sometimes it may be difficult to find that one thing or two things or whatever they did right, but make the effort. Because the last thing we want to do is cause them to be angry and frustrated. Now, don't misunderstand me. When your child needs to be corrected, correct them. Okay, That's, this is not talking about that. And when I say correct them, if you haven't taken the time, go to the book of Proverbs and find the proper biblical method of correction. It is in the book. It's not Dr. Spock or any of those guys. It's in the book. Take the time to read the book. And here's the thing you need to understand. This is what Paul's talking about here. We were to you examples of God. So I'm getting ready to just, I'll just go ahead and step off the cliff and get in trouble. When our children were coming up because we had taken this book to determine what biblical correction was, we never grounded our children and we never took anything from them. They either got verbal reproof or corporal punishment. Yeah, I can't tell you how many parents will say, oh, you don't understand my child. They just don't respond well to that. I've heard that so many times, I want to puke. <laughs> if it is done properly and consistently, and here's where the rub may come in, when mom and dad are on the same page, it does work. It takes a lot of effort, but it does work. But it has to be consistent, and it has to be from both sides. That's why we had rules at our house. Number one, number one, it wasn't number one. We didn't have a number, I don't think. If you go to one parent and they tell you no, you best not go to the other parent because you will be spanked. Oh, you're such a cruel dad. No, I love my kids. I want them to turn out good. And they did. How's yours doing? Oh, sorry, that's a little rude. <laughs> there were times, <clears throat> more shielded than me, of course, who would disagree with 
my spanking of the children based on the offense. But the kids didn't know that until they became adults because after they had gone to bed, we would sit down and talk and she would say, when you did that today, I think you might have pushed that a little too far. They didn't know that mama didn't agree because that's not how you do business with your kids. And so, some of you adults, oh my God, your kids know everything. They're kids. Let them be kids. Uh, sometimes I'm amazed at these little kids and they know everything in the family. Now, don't misunderstand me. You're not keeping, it's like you're keeping secrets, but oh my goodness, are you, are you nuts? You know, like here's a little five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. My, my daddy don't like you because he don't like you because of this. Well, how did that five-year-old know that daddy don't like me? <laughs> Learn some biblical rules because in case you didn't know it, gossip is against the scripture. Teach your kids not to gossip. Don't pull them into it. Now, I told you at the beginning, and I'm finishing up pretty quick here, that all this was impossible. Paul says, walk in the matter, worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And then to where we started to present every child perfect. Now, will they all turn out perfectly? I don't know. The cool, the cool thing with God is he doesn't give you a certificate of completeness. Because even though our children are adults, we're still ministering to our children. Now, we're in totally different roles, obviously. We're not telling them what to do. We're offering wisdom and guidance when they ask. If they don't, shut up. If they wanted it, they'd come to you. And there may be a reason why they're not coming to you. They've got a history with you. For our labor... Our striving, and here's the catcher, here's the key, according to his power, which mightily works within us. So let me go back to the scripture in Ephesians. I don't have it up there for you. This is where we get messed up a lot in Ephesians chapter 5. This has to do with marriage. And then it moves in, this is in chapter 5, and then it moves into chapter 6 about raising children. And here's what it says in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. Therefore, you can look it up. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Pay attention how you do in life. That's what that means. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of truth. So as we are applying the truth of God's word in our daily experience, we will see there is fruit, really good fruit that goes with that. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, I'm just killing time. Don't do it. You ain't got enough. Don't kill time. Don't waste time. Use it wisely. So don't be foolish, be wise, don't be foolish, and understand this is the will of God. I've been over the scripture here so many times, it's not even funny. That's why I said there's nothing new today. For this is the will of God. How many of you here 
Okay, let's do a show of hands. Yeah, why not? How many of you here want to do the will of God? Raise your hand. Okay. Are you ready? Here's the first thing to do to do the will of God. Do not get drunk. How many of you are still in the will of God? Not as many hands. Okay. The will of God is don't get drunk. Now, it didn't say don't drink. I don't drink because that was a part of my pre-Christian life. I call it B.C. and A.D., you know. B.C. was before Christ. A.D. was after my death when I died to self to live to Christ. That was all a big part of back there. Instead, be filled by or with the Spirit. Now, being filled there means to be under the control, just like you were under the control of alcohol when you drank it. You notice I phrased that past tense. You were under the control of alcohol when you drank it. Now you're under the control of the Holy Spirit as he is filling you. And by the way, that's present continuous action. That means keep on being filled. Keep on being. How do I do that? Ask him to fill you. And as he fills you, all that junk and all that crud that we somehow, that toxicity we let in, it pushes out. For example, one day, one day, that event with my dad where he got out of the car and screamed at me for putting the fence up wrong. In my own spirit, I had to go back and forgive my dad. I didn't go to dad and say, dad, I forgive you for hollering at me. If I did that, I'd have been spending the rest of my life every time he hollered at me. But that one time, it, it somehow got in there and it had to come out and it did. And praise God that it did. But when you are filled, controlled by the Spirit, here's what happens. You're speaking to one another. This includes your kids and your wife and, and or, excuse me, your mate. I'm talking about dads today, I guess. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even our, what? Father. Our perfect father your dad may have been the worst dad ever i hope that he wasn't but i know it's possible but then your dad may have been the best dad ever i hope that he was but either way most of us kind of fall in the middle either way i still know that i have a perfect father who loves me perfectly who loves me completely who loves me infinitely that's my dad that's my father my father did some good things he did some bad things my earthly father but my father has done it perfectly since day one i haven't been the perfect child but my father has been the perfect father so here's what i'm going to do if you're here and your dad, would you stand up? Please. The only way, as I said and the scripture says, for us to do this and do it well, is if we are truly filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray with us. I'm going to pray for us, but with us as well. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the very ancient of days, we praise you, praise you, praise you for the privilege of being a dad, of having the joy, the honor, and responsibility of having in our care, whether it be biological, whether it be step, whether it be spiritual, a person that you've given me the opportunity to model your life before them. I praise you for it. I praise you for it. And I thank you for every one of us who are here today who are dads, that Holy Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus, you would fill us, fill us to overflowing. And let those incredible expressions of joy and praise erupt from our life in such a way that we can truly be a delight to you. We're your kids. We're your sons. You love us. And we thank you that you do. And thank you that you're our perfect father. And now we just want to live the rest of our lives fathering those you place in our care that you get the glory you get the praise and we see them unpack and god be those incredible young people and incredible adults and incredible parents themselves in the days to come lord of all that you are expressed to this world because sadly so many children today grow up without fathers Help us as a nation, as fathers, to turn back to you, God. To turn back to you, our perfect Father. In Jesus' name, amen.